and welcome to our show today. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and today we're going to be talking all about students and ways that we can help out our students learn to communicate with the outside world and create their own brands. I have two fantastic co-hosts today, and I want to introduce them. And I also have a very special guest, a student that's creating an amazing brand for themselves. I want to first introduce back to the show, Mr. Jeff Herb. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing very well. It's good to be back on the show after being off for a couple of weeks. Yeah, you took a little bit of a vacation. Talk to us a little bit about yourself first, and uh, where were you? Uh, well, as many people know, I run the website instructionaltechtalk.com, and I'm also an associate principal at a high school. Um, and the past week, I went to London uh, for the week, which was a great trip, and you know, had a wonderful time. It was not relaxing at all, so I feel like I need another vacation after that one because the entire time we were there, we were just running all over the place trying to see as much as we could. But it was a fantastic trip. Got to see a lot of great, really cool stuff. Um, and just, you know, it was nice to get away. I kind of disconnected myself. I actually turned off my work email on my cell phone, which was a big step for me. <laughs> and uh, just stayed disconnected the whole time just to enjoy uh, what I was doing there. So it was a really good time, and it's good to be back. What are the things that you went to see uh, in London? Oh, man, we saw Windsor Castle, which is the uh, technical residence of the royal family. Uh, went to Buckingham Palace. Uh, we saw Big Ben, which I was really surprised by. I did not plan on being as impressed with Big Ben as I actually was. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible building with you know the House of Parliament that it's attached to. Um, we saw Westminster Abbey and had some delicious food. Oh, it was it was just great. Really good time. Well, it's good to see you back. And uh, th thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, good to be back. Also joining us from sunny California, Mr. Sam Patterson. Pa Sam, how are you today? I'm doing well, Jeff. Thanks. And uh, remind us a little bit about yourself and uh, what are some of the great things that have been happening in uh, in your neck of the woods? Well, I am a ninth grade English teacher in Palo Alto working in a small private school and uh, I actually just got back from a combination class trips week and spring break that added up to about three weeks of time in the desert. So instead of being up at school working, I've been down on the llama ranch and Friday was our annual llama shearing, which is a pretty amazing event. Llama shearing, huh? Yeah, they, they get their hair cut once a year, and uh, it's not a very... They also get their teeth done and their, and their nails done, and it's a very fast process run by a very efficient crew of young men from Idaho. They make a tour of the whole uh, Pacific Northwest U.S., <laughs> dipping on down to the desert, and uh, mainly they're there for the alpaca, but they let us, you know, llama people show up at the last minute and get our llamas shorn. <laughs> Well, that's pretty interesting. Well, it's uh, yeah. it, it's nice to have you back, and uh, it's good to be back, Jeff. And I'm glad that your shearing was a was a success. You'd be amazed. You'll have to check out the Facebook page. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, please do. And uh, one of the things that I want to start with is a little bit of educational news. Now, Sam, we talked a little bit about this last week, but I wanted to bring it up today since Jeff wasn't around. You recently changed your Twitter name. I did. I had been learnings living since I started on Twitter and um, time and time again had been exposed to the information that shorter handles are better and handles that somehow relate to your name and what you do are better. So at the SVQ conference on the 23rd of March, um, I had a conversation with Carl of the California EdChad team and uh, George Koros, and there was a lot of change your Twitter name cyberbullying going on. So um, I, I succumbed to peer pressure, and now I'm at Sam Patui. And I, I might, dare I say, I might have chased down all of my broken connections, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, if you are watching tonight on TeacherCast.tv, I will say that we haven't had a chance to change it or update your thirds yet, but uh, we will certainly make sure that we have that. Um, let's start off with some great ed tech news here, and I think the biggest one that I want to start off with is that we officially have a website, um, Tech Educator mm -hmm. Podcast. This is now episode number... 
nine, I believe. Nine, we believe. It's it's we we, <laughs> we took a week off for the holidays and now we lost track of the name. But I want to pull up my Mac screen here for everybody, and we have a brand new website. Do we, do we have the uh, the thunderous applause yet? Anybody have a? Uh... Oh, no, no. John's, John's not, here. not here. So this is our brand new website over at techeducatorpodcast.com. And uh, you can find all of our great um, back podcast. Thank you. That must have been from the sheep. Um, so we, we, we are slowly moving into this. Of course, you can watch our show live here on uh on Ustream, it's also being broadcasted on TeacherCast.tv, and we also have here our schedule of broadcasts, and we're going to be including our topics into that. You can certainly come over here and subscribe to our brand new newsletter, where we're going to be keeping you updated with not only what's going on in all of our uh, individual channels, but certainly about some of the great guests that are going to be coming up. And, uh, of course, this also gives you the opportunity to not only see, but uh, hear us as well. So all of our podcasts are going to be including the audio and the video feed. And uh, right here at the bottom is our RSS feeds that you can subscribe to for all of our channels. And uh, we hope that you take a look at it and uh, join our little uh, family here, techeducatorpodcast.com. We would love to see you there. Jeff, is there any uh, educational news that uh, you found in the last two weeks? You know, it's not necessarily news, but it was a great article that I found on the Innovative Educator uh, blog. And she was, her name's Lisa Nielsen, and she was talking about ed-specific or student-specific devices. And this may actually be an interesting topic to bring our guest in on as well. Um, the, whole diff, the whole idea behind the blog was that they're looking at how one-to-one device, one-to-one pilots or one-to-one programs are staged out. And is it really important to get ed-specific devices that will span across a building, like an iPad for all the kids or a Google Chromebook or something like that? Or is it better off to leave it up to the students and let them choose which device works best for them? And, you know, it's kind of modeled after that BYOD program, but I wanted to get some different inputs from everyone on this panel here. What do you think? I mean, the article doesn't really give a specific answer, but it kind of stages both sides of the story. Um, I'm go ahead, Jeff. Well, uh, since you opened the door there, let's uh, <laughs> let's bring in our guest. Um, he is a student from New York and uh, just outside of Albany, I think it is. And I want to introduce to the podcast for the first time, Mr. Nick Craig. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I do a weekly gaming and technology podcast on uh, every live every Friday night, and uh, I do that over at RadarGaming.net, and that's the site and the brand that I'm trying to build, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Nice. And um, Nick and I met oh, about maybe a month and a half to two months ago, and not only do I know Nick as a great um, student... But also, he is a fantastic little entrepreneur and uh, really creating a name and a brand for himself. So, Nick, I wanted to say thank you very much for taking the time out of your uh, your busy day to come on the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I actually was able to look through your site uh, pretty recently. I know we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but you've done a lot of great work. So I'm excited to hear about your process and how you've been putting that together. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, let's address the question that Jeff brought up. Finding devices that are site-specific. Jeff, why don't you bring that up one more time? Yeah, so the whole idea was it, do we attack it as an education-specific device or a student-specific device? Are we looking to get one device for an entire building that will be specific to what the teachers want to build and everyone will have the same device and you know that what you put together will work across all the devices that are in your building? Or do you want the students to be more comfortable with their device, choose their device, bring that device in, and know that you need to design your lessons and your activities based around the fact that you may have 10 different devices in your classroom? You know, that's kind of the, the argument there is which one is better. I know one of them is a little bit more difficult because you need to think about all those variables. But, you know, what do you guys think about that? Anyone have an input? <laughs> Nick, talk to I us mean, a little bit about what goes on in your school. Is it a technologically advanced school? Do, are you allowed to bring in 
technology to use? What's going on where no. you are? Not at all. No technology is allowed during the school day at all. It's it's they're very strict about that, and and it really sucks because you know I'm somebody that's that's really you know technology really influences my life, and it's kind of part of my everyday life. And you know when I go to school, you know between seven and three, I don't have any kind of interaction with technology except for you know when I get a quick hit on Twitter, uh, you know throughout the day. But that's about it. Sorry about that. And so. Do you, I mean, obviously, I can assume you think that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're using textbooks from, like, you know, 1983 and all that stuff like that. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's a real disconnect in, in at least today's society. Do they have any plans of trying to revise that kind of, pro uh, not program, but policy? You know, you know, they try it, but the, the real issue that, uh, that we have is, I think the, the school is having an issue a lot with cyberbullying, and that's something that, mm. that happens a, a lot in, in, I guess, high schools is this whole cyberbullying thing. So they think that if they just kind of shut it all down and say, you can't have this, you can't have that, then that'll cut back on, I think, cyberbullying and, you know, just bullying in general. What do you think? Does it still happen? Oh, of course it does, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you go to the bathroom and you're on your phone for 15 minutes and, you know, you're just not in class. So I think sure. if, they, if they kind of took technology and incorporated into classes, you'd have less of those issues. Yeah. It would certainly seem to be more effective than incorporating technology into the bathroom, which is what they've done. <laughs> yeah, right. essentially. No, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, just, just from the standpoint of a public health issue, my goodness. <laughs> now, Nick, if you were given the option, though, I know that you don't have the ability to right now, but, you know, given that same question from the beginning, if you were given the option of having, you know, everyone, including your friends, colleagues, whatever, have the ability to have everyone have an iPad, for instance, and base all of your collaboration off of one device, do you see that as being more beneficial than being able to bring in, you know, an iPod Touch, iPad Mini, Android, you know, Galaxy, whatever? You know, what do you think is a good way to attack that as a procedural way to get to, like, a one-to-one -one type environment? You know, I think to get that one one to one type environment and have the teacher be able to create one lesson plan, I think you need to kind of moderate the device and, you know, say, Okay, here's you know, here's a cheap hundred dollar Android tablet for all the students to use or here's an iPad mini. But mm -hmm. I think the real the real thing is here is to even if even if you don't have the option, you know, if the school budget doesn't allow you to, to buy everybody in your classroom iPads or, or that, to have them bring in their own devices and then, you know, use cool things like, you know, Google Calendar. I have a teacher that uses Google Calendar. And I'm subscribed to that teacher's Google Calendar. And then when I get home, I just throw up Google Calendar and I see, all right, I have homework tonight. Nice. That's really, that's a good point. Sam, you're using LiveScribe pens, which is basically a, you know, provided one-to-one -one device. How do you see that working in comparison to other alternatives and other options? Well, it's interesting. I think that it's got a lot of potential, but the learning curve is pretty steep as far as getting them getting students to do something other with than just take notes with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a, you know, there's a lot of neat stuff it can do, but you have to really learn how to do all of that because it's not intuitive, like, oh, my pen should be able to do this or that. I think that, you know, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of importance to having some sort of common shared, if it's not a, if it's not a tablet or something like that, at least a shared interface so that everyone's tablet can get to the same area, the same files, whether that's your learning management system or, I mean, I think that shared cloud space is the most important thing when you're thinking about a one-to-one. -one. I really like from the management side of things, I really like the idea of everyone having the same tablet because then, you know, if something goes wrong, you know how to fix it. Sure. But, you know, from the reality side of things, I think that you know, running a a um, approach to tech that is a BYOD and just have a set of requirements that everyone's device needs to be able to do will actually support an environment in which technology evolves. So as a teacher, you always have to be thinking about what's going to happen next and what can the top-end devices in my room do versus the bottom-end devices. Sure. And you're going to have to write for, you know, that whole span. But you also, I mean, otherwise what's going to happen is in 10 years, you know, the student that we're sitting here talking to is going to be like, yeah, we're all on iPad 2s. <laughs> and, you know. <clears throat> right. 
Well, that's why I like Nick's comment. I mean, it kind of blends the two. It's BYOD, but it's also here's a list of you know approved devices. You know, bring one of these in, and we'll know that we'll be able to work with it. So, you know, are you able to put that kind of restriction on people bringing in their own devices? I don't know. That's a you know, it's a whole different conversation. But uh, Jeff, what do you see in in your building, and how are you seeing that playing out? Well, it's a good question because right now my building is looking to put policy together for BYOD. Mm-hmm. And currently we are asking students what they want, how they want to use things. Uh, we just got a brand new wireless network in our in our district this year. And um, thankfully, it's been so far without a hitch from what I understand. I mean, we were able to do EdCamp New Jersey um, in my district thanks to this brand new wireless network. So there's a lot of neat things that we're able to do there. And we really do want to take it forward to BYOD. And I'm actually trying to help out by asking other people that I have in contact here at my PLN, you know, share some of these great BYOD resources. And many educators are creating sites and podcasts, you name it, to teach school districts like mine, for instance, how to do this. I want to throw the question over to Nick. Um, What things do you do outside with technology that maybe you're not allowed to do? I mean, do you go out and you're using your calculator? Are you, you, are you fixing things on your computer that you're not supposed to in school? Like, how, how are you using technology to get around your normal everyday curriculum? You know, I, 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 use, I, I tend to use a lot of the Google apps to kind of go around that because, you know, the Google apps can work on any computer. You know, my PC has uh, PCs and Macs in the, in the building, so it'll work on any computer there. I can do it on my, my tablet and my phone and, and then my computer at home. So I use all of the Google products, you know, including Drive and Calendar and all that stuff to keep track of all the, the different things that I do throughout the day. And do you explain to your teachers that you're able to do this? I mean, are your teachers frustrated because they can't, or are they looking at you not knowing what you're working on and not knowing what you're doing? You know, I think a lot of the issues with my school district is I don't think that the teachers really understand what the students can do with, you know, things like Google products. I, and I think what you brought up, brought up a good point about how there's technology or podcasts out there that are showing these school districts how to incorporate the technology. And the issue is now is these teachers, you know, they, they are told from the principal, no devices. If you see one, you have to take it away. So they don't even look into the different options that they could do to better their classroom and better the education of their students. Jeff, as an administrator, how do you take all this? It's very true. I mean, that's unfortunately true. And it's something that is definitely going to be changing, I think, a lot in the next couple of years as we realize and have the capability of implementing some of these devices and new technologies. I think it's at a place right now where schools are realizing that they have to beef up you know, their wireless systems and they have to incorporate some of these devices because, one, they've become more affordable and more reasonable to do so but also you're stupid not to because you're wasting a lot of money like he said on the books from 1983 that you sit on for 15 years because you can't afford to get new ones often enough whereas you know your tablets yeah they'll last you a good five years probably give or take if you buy them maybe not that long maybe four but um they'll definitely see a kid through high school i would say but the content is dynamic i mean short of ripping out a page of a textbook and taping in a new one, that's about as dynamic as your textbook's going to get. <gasps> it, <yeah. laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, but, um, you know, you're, you're so much more open with a tablet or a digital device, and I think that's what's going to dictate people making that shift, that migration. So, you're right. Things aren't good right now. <laughs> well, let's look, at, let's look at that digital migration. You know, we hear a lot from others that we need to make sure that we're masters in our crafts and we need to make sure that we know all of our pedagogy before we throw it onto our students. And yet we're also hearing another argument that says, let the students go out and learn how to use the technology and then teach us. Now, for instance, my class right now is doing a project. I have kids that are using Prezi. I've never used Prezi, but I know it's a good tool and my kids are having a good time learning it. And I love it when they pull me in and they show me how to use technology that I haven't touched or we haven't discussed on a podcast. Nick, would you feel comfortable sharing some of your your technology knowledge with your teachers, even though they might feel a little intimidated that one of their students knows more than them about a topic? Yeah, I think I think that's the real key is to, to pull those students in because, I mean, in my school – 
the the kids there, I mean, they're into technology. You know, they play video games. They they're on the computer. They they tweet. They use Facebook. So they're they're wrapped around technology. And I think if they they let the kids go and say, you know, show the teacher how instead of you know writing this essay on paper, how you could do some stuff with Google Docs, and then the teacher could grade it all via the internet. I think that's some cool things, but I think it's like you said, it's intimidation to the teacher, and they just they might not necessarily want that. Right, and I think what it really takes is that first time of doing it. Because when I was in the classroom, I really got to a point. You know, I'm very comfortable with technology, obviously, and I got to the point where I said, "Here's what I need to see that you're able to do." I taught English. Um, here's the here's like the standards, basically. I need to know that you know how to do this and you understand this. And how you get me to understand that you know that is totally up to you. Use whatever web tool you want. Use a poster board with a bunch of pictures pasted to it. I don't care. Just demonstrate your knowledge and demonstrate that you know what you're doing. And the amount of, I mean, it made presentations in my classroom so much more fun because I didn't get 30 different PowerPoints when someone came up to display their information. Um, yeah, goal-based assessment, exactly. Sam just wrote that in our chat. So um, it's exactly what we're looking at, and I don't think there needs to be a prescriptive way to demonstrate how you understand your goal and how you understand the content. So Now, Nick, I, I want to, as we're talking here, I'm going to bring up a copy of your website on the screen here, and I want you to talk us through a little bit about what you're doing and what you're working on. I know there's a lot of teachers out there that, or a lot of school districts that might have film clubs, and you're working with some pretty sophisticated uh technology over there in your home to create a brand for yourself. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and really how you got started on all of this? Um, so what I'm doing is I'm creating I'm creating a live podcast network um, that I do every Friday night. I do one show live every Friday night. It's about gaming and technology. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to, like, uh, like Jeff just said, create a brand for myself and create a name on the internet other than Nick trying to create this, this radar gaming um, that's the name of my site. So I'm trying to create that brand. And how I got into it was um, I got into it first with internet radio. There was um, a local group of people that were doing, you know, had this internet radio station going. And I joined that maybe four or five years ago. And, and I did that for a little bit. And, you know, I saw saw all the different, you know, things you can use like Ustream and Justin TV. And then that got the wheels turning. And now I'm sitting here doing a, a, a weekly podcast. And... Talk to us a little bit about some of the software or technologies that you're using. Well, my website, I'm using WordPress, which is a great, I think, a great tool that teachers could use to create websites and keep track of, you know, different assignments and stuff. So I'm using WordPress for the website, and I'm using a program called Wirecast to produce the, to produce the live show. Now, the thing I, I, I find interesting, guys, about what Nick does is he, he not only has this site, Radar Gaming, but he's also got... Uh, a another website that he's actually using to to promote himself with um, Craig Digital Designs. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've I've been working with WordPress for probably three or four years now, and um, somebody I was talking to a couple people, and they and they were talking about how you know WordPress is something that people are very intimidated of, and you know they don't know how to install it, they don't know how to set it up. So I created a site, uh, like Jeff mentioned, CraigDigitalDesigns.com, and I'm offering uh, you know WordPress installs and and website maintenance and other cool things like that. Guys, what Ooh. do you think? I think it's awesome. I think there should be classes like this for high school students. What about taught by high school students? I mean, could you ever see, you know, Monday at 3 o'clock, we're going to have a student group and you find a student to teach what your what the topic is? I mean, we do it as adults. Why not do it with students? Absolutely. I think that'd be really great. I mean, I could go so far as to say you get a, I mean, Nick, you're clearly not the typical student that has developed a brand for themselves. No, most students and, wouldn't have a Nintendo behind them. That's true. That's a good <laughs> point. Um, but I would love to see that continue and grow, but I could see Nick, I mean, he has enough knowledge on, you know, marketing because he's built a website for himself and he has enough knowledge on broadcasting because he's put together a live broadcasting show to teach what I would consider a really respectable course. Not not an after-school thing, not a 3 p.m. thing. I'm talking like a noon thing for a period. I mean, I would think that would be incredibly beneficial to students that are looking to get into 
a field like that. Um, you know, you get into a lot of legality issues, but I could definitely see that being like an independent study where, you know, a student like Nick would join a teacher and teach whatever he knows about broadcasting. I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean the the most advanced kind of technology stuff we have is you know we have like a we have like one AutoCAD class and you know, <laughs> besides that it's a bunch of you know metal and wood shop classes sure. and then you know your English math and global, so it's you know there really is not a whole lot of technology going on in the school in general. Right, and while those are important, they also seem a little antiquated for what people are really experiencing after they leave high school. I assume. Yeah. So really what we're talking about here is students creating brands and brand names for themselves. Um, Nick, where do you want to take Radar Gaming? Where do you want to take all this? You know, gaming and technologies, it's always been you know something that I've been really interested in. I built my first computer five, five six years ago now. So it's something that I, you know, I, I kind of grew up in. My dad does IT for the state, so it was something that hmm. was just kind of in my family. So computers and gaming and stuff that was just in my family, and now I'm into it. And I, you know, I just do it as a hobby. I have the free time, and for the time being, it's it's just a hobby that I that I really enjoy doing. Talk to us about some of the equipment that you've already uh, picked up for your hobby. Um, you know, I've picked up the standard webcam. I'm using the camera right now. I'm using is the Microsoft LifeCam Cinema. Uh, as you can see, I've got a microphone in front of me, and that's the Audio Technica ATR2100. And then I've got a small format mixer, the Behringer Xenix 802. Nice. Sam, as an educator, as we all are, who are out there creating our brands, what do you think that we can learn from students like Nick here who are on the same path that we are? Well, I think that we can really learn how to use the, the most emerging tools because, you know, it's, it's this constant tension between the models that we have to work from and the tools that we have access to. And the older that we are, it's hard, sad to say, the more invested we are in old models. So it may be a bit of a stereotype, but I think that young people often have a better opportunity to think more expansively with new tools about ways to apply new tools and, and to make those work. And the rest of us can go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's really true. I mean, Internet's a pretty phenomenal place just because if I were to come across Nick and his website and his podcast, I would immediately consider him a colleague. You know, I don't think of you as a student, Nick. I think of you as someone who is in the field that's creating content and helping out others learn what they need to do in building websites and, yes, creating a brand. And so, you know, I, I would love that model to be shifted into the high school as well where students are considered colleagues. They have a lot of information that can better the classroom and can better you know, student learning. And I feel like that's not harnessed nearly enough. And so if anything, you being able to build this brand and be able to prove that your you know, background knowledge and what you bring to the classroom is pretty phenomenal, I think that will get people moving in the right direction to say, hey, all right, there's clearly people in my audience of students that knows a lot more about something that I do and taking advantage of that and actually, you know, grasping onto that and making it something that's more beneficial than for everyone that's involved in that classroom as well. Well, I'd like to take a left turn and talk about this topic from a slightly different point of view now. Um, going down our list of, of educational topics, there was actually an article this week that came out about Apple and iTunes, and the whole article was, was talking about the fact that on iTunes, Apple has actually moved up to the top of the screen the age appropriateness for all of their apps, which is Apple's way of cowering, I think, to society. But that's society's way of saying kids are not old enough to make decisions for themselves. And so we have to put these, these age limits on there because maybe kids are buying apps by themselves. And we've, we've heard a lot of the stories of how people, uh, you know, students are racking up thousands of dollars in uh, Smurf berries and things like that. And, you know, where are we here? Are we saying that students are old enough? Or are we saying that students are not old enough to make these decisions? Uh, Sam, what do you think? What's happening out there in your neck of the woods in Palo Alto? Well, I mean, I think that whether you're talking about putting the age appropriateness of apps at the top of the page or banning all technology in the school, you know, there's so many moves that 
are just moves of fear and uncertainty. Like we don't know, you know, the Apple I, you know, application store doesn't necessarily know <clears throat> what their culpability is if someone buys an app that's inappropriate for them, right? They can put an age restriction on there, but I mean, I knew the numeric passcode to my family's answering machine. And that was, in our day and age, you know, the equivalent of their email account. Um, and in fact, I probably still know the passwords to my parents' email accounts. Um, but, you know, so they're going to work around it. I don't think any of these things are actually going to change anything. Um, I, I, I'm interested, though, Jeff, with your, your characterization of cowing to the pressures of society. I mean, really, it's... You make it sound like Apple has been some sort of bastion of free thinking that is, you know, bending to the will of the proto-fascists. Is that is that what's happening? I think that when Apple first came out with it, they put it exactly where they wanted to. And obviously they've had a lot of issues with students doing things that uh, they might not have seen or foreseen. And so they, they obviously are adjusting, but they're adjusting because they've been asked to, whether legally or through, you know, email. It's all because of that Vine app, isn't it? I, I blame the Smurfs. <laughs> they, they, I, I blame the Vine app. They were Smurfed into it, I think. <laughs> yeah, smurfing, smurfing on the Vine app, I suppose. But do people even look at those, Nick? I mean, at age restrictions? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> if anything, I, I, this is going to totally date myself, but. Um, you know, when CDs were huge, you wanted like the bigger, the mature label, the better, and that's what you wanted to. Get. That's what you wanted to buy. You didn't want the ones that were like soft and you know whatever. You're like, oh, that thing has a big mature label on it. That's definitely what I want to go buy. You know, it's just. And isn't that why films have an unrated version? Probably. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know if that's. It's a valiant effort. Apple can then say they've done something to help curb people downloading apps that aren't necessarily good for that age group. But if, you know, Nick backed me up, it doesn't do anything. I don't no. think people are going to download the app they want to use. I mean, I play, I play all rated M video games and it's, you know, I'm, I'm not 18, but right. again, there's the restriction. You on know, there. this is live. Oh, oh no. Hopefully somebody doesn't take all my M rated games. That'd be a shame. <laughs> I'd have to play my Nintendo. <laughs> Which wouldn't be half bad. No, <laughs> except when the game freezes. We, yeah, right. we we have quite a few people right now watching this live on TeacherCast.tv, and we have several people that, of course, follow the show outside of our normal Sunday at 7 o'clock viewing hours. If you have anything to say on this topic or other topics, please, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TechEdShow. We love it if you can leave a voicemail at TechEducatorPodcast.com slash voicemail and you can email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com um, at the end of the show all of our videos go up on techeducatorpodcast.com and of course you can see us every Sunday night at teachercast.tv on Sundays at 7 o'clock um, you know Nick where do you see this going I mean we're going down a path that is getting more and more censored we're getting down a path that's more and more Educators want students to do more, yet we're putting more restrictions on them. What advice would you have to the adults of the world um, who are looking to set policies for, for your generation? I think before you set the policies, you have to open the policies up and see what's going to happen first. Because you can put a million different restrictions in place, but if the, if the students are not going to be going against those restrictions, then they're, then they're useless. So I think what, what needs to happen is these, these restrictions need to be lifted. They need to see, all right, the students are doing this, this, and this. We'll uh, not let them do this, this, and this instead of just banning the whole system. Only ban the parts of it or, or you know, censor the parts of it that, that shouldn't be seen for the students. I, I completely agree with that, and that's actually the model that our building has taken um, you know, we were in a very similar situation where it was no technology all day. Don't do it. It's horrible. Um, and we've since realized that what do we care if kids are on their cell phones in the hallways? How is that negatively impacting what we're doing? And um, so we opened it up to, you know, just 
you need to have teacher permission if you're going to use your cell phone or tablet or whatever during instructional time. If you're in lunch, if you're in, you know, hallways, it's more manageable. So, Jeff, go ahead. I, I, interesting that you're saying this because I've actually been reading through some of the BYOD policies from school districts. They're mm-hmm. actually saying it's okay to use devices in the classroom as long as it's okay with the stu- as long as it's okay with the teacher. But we should not be seeing any devices being used in the hallways. Now, I completely agree that, you know, when for those six minutes or five minutes between passing time, I don't want to see 1,800 kids take out their cell phones. I get that. But as a music teacher, I don't mind so much if you're listening to music in between classes. But why, why not the cell phones? Why, why, is, why is 1,200 cell phones an issue for you? I, I don't know. I, I just I, I, I still want to see kids interact with each other. I, I don't I, yeah. you know. Okay, we already have the the walking and talking. They are and, interacting with each other. I I know what that sounds like, and I know what that comes out as. But I, I I still think that we need to be paying attention to those walking into us, going in the opposite direction. I, I think we have to still f- figure out how to teach our students the fundamentals, like when you're making a left turn in the hallway, don't cut the wrong corner and run into other people coming. I can't right. tell you they've how got, many they've times. They've got apps for that. You can go <laughs> yeah, right. through the chat window into the ground in front of you so you know you don't crash. I, I think if every student had a llama in front of them calling, I think we would be less uh, likely to run into each other. Sam, could you play that llama one more time? You know, it's very, well, I call this up, it's very important for you to realize the llama needs to be behind you. You don't want the llama in front. There's, there's big issues that come up there. Uh, I'm texting you here so we can get the sound going. <laughs> Um, um Nick, let me let me pose the question to you. Llamas in the classroom, what do you think? Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say no on that. Since, <laughs> I, since I'm from New York, there there really aren't any llamas here. So you're saying it's huh? discriminating to have llamas in the classroom because you don't have any in your state? Yes, that's exactly yeah, what don't I'm Don't llamas spit too? Just yeah, like, they're dangerous. Like, yeah. like a duck. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> like a duck. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh my god! Something else. That, that's a llama getting its teeth done. Now, what I want to <laughs> research more. Wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I, I, that's a llama getting its teeth done. I want to hear what it sounds like when it's just happy. <laughs> what, what is a happy? No, no, that's actually another angry llama. Llamas don't make any noise when they're happy. When they're happy, they're just quiet. They, you know, they're they're good. They only make noise when they're upset about something. So let's talk about our favorite apps. <laughs> I like that. Please. Um, Nick, what kind of devices do you have? And uh, what, what, what's your uh, – we're going to make a quick transition here. What, what, what's, your, what's your app of choice right now that you're using? It could be uh, anything from iOS to NES. Um, I'm using oh, – I like your plan. <laughs> See how that one works? Um, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I currently, I currently, I used to use Google Reader for all my show notes, um, and I, you know that's kind of how I catch up on all all the different news and stuff is through Google Reader. And now that they've announced that they're closing Google Reader, I'm using a new app called Feedly. Yeah. And uh, I'm using that on my phone and my tablet, and also there's a Google Chrome extension for Feedly, and I, I've been using that almost exclusively since they announced uh, the, the shutdown of Google Reader. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's so, yeah. so I think it's so much better than Google uh, Google Reader. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, definitely a good one. I've switched to, and that was actually my featured one. I did an article about that, and that's the one that I would recommend that people switch to. So I'm in total agreement with you on that one. Uh, there was also something on the Google Doc here for explain everything. Who was that? <laughs> that was me. Um, I just did an actual uh, interview podcast show with the founders of Explain Everything today. Um oh. So I threw it on there just because it was fresh in my mind. But if you haven't used it before, Explain Everything is kind of a animation, screencasting, digital design, you know, tool for creation on your iPad. Um, it's been widely used in the classroom for students to demonstrate their understanding, knowledge, share content. It's used a lot in math classes to kind of work through math problems and help show how you get from, you know, the beginning problem to your solution. Um, And it's just a really phenomenal app that's been put together. 
and it's grown quite a bit since its inception uh, to the point that, you know, it's just it's a really robust app that is running very smoothly. And a lot of the conversation that I had today were ways that it can be used in the classroom. And they gave me an example of how an, a second grade class is using their app to, uh, you know, take a picture of something like a terrarium and then be able to, you know, narrate what the different parts of the terrarium are. And these are second graders, and they're telling me all these advanced tools they're using in this app and how they're able to stitch together and create this movie really easily. And, you know, a lot of people feel like this kind of functionality is really reserved for the middle school, high school level, but, you know, kids are doing it really at, you know, young ages, second grade, to be able to create these kind of videos using Explain Everything. Um, and I was just really taken back by that. I thought it was really cool. So just want to put plug in there. If you've never used it before, it's a great app. The link to it is on our show notes. Sure. And uh, Sam, what's your app of choice this week? My app of choice this week is called BFF, which is Broadcasting for Friends. <laughs> and it's a Ustream-based app that allows you to stream video directly to a Facebook page. And um, I finally entered the world of the smartphone owners, and this allowed me to stream video from the Llama Shearing directly to the Llama Facebook page, which was pretty magical because, you know, this only happens once a year, and honestly, I get a lot of mileage out of this footage, so it was great to be able to capture it on the fly and deliver it without even having to do any upload steps. You know, Sam, this is a a video show, and we are very disappointed that uh, you don't have any video for us. Can you please make sure that we have some video? video? I sent you a video yesterday, or Friday. But you sent it to me on my phone, so I don't have that available. Could you... Could you see that you could share with us? I, I think that the viewers out there would love to see some some sheep, sorry, llama shearing uh, video, wouldn't you, Jeff? I think so. All right, let's let's see what I can find here. I, and I, in the meantime, I'd love to hear Jeff talk about Boss Jock because I know he put that one in there. Um, I gotta say, I love Boss Jock, and Boss Jock is a great app that uh, is is made for podcasters. I mean, yeah, to be honest, I used Boss Jock when I was uh, recording live at ICE. That's the app I used, and it came out great. Man, it almost actually came out better than my setup at home, which was kind of depressing for me, but um, it, it was phenomenal. It's it's a great app, and basically what it does is it allows you to create a podcast using just the app. Um, there's 35 different sound banks that you can stick on here, and so what I do is I put my intros, my outros, my interviews, everything is in here. And I, I did a, a, a Jersey, if you go to jerseyeducator.com, I did a podcast called Are You Podcasting With Your Dentist? And it was a, I brought my iPad into my dentist office and not while I was getting checked up. That You, you don't hear any sounds or spittle during the podcast. But... Um, but we, we had a, a nice 15-minute interview, and the whole entire show was done on Boss Jock live as we went. And it's really, really neat. Um, I think it's got a huge potential in, in not only just for podcasters, but also for education. You know, imagine somebody like Nick going out on a field trip somewhere, having Boss Jock, and telling Nick that his assignment for the day is to create a podcast on his trip to the Statue of Liberty. They can go out, they can record all the audio, they can answer some questions, they can put the whole intro and outro movies to it, and on their way back, they've got a completely done podcast, and that way the teacher can then you know, pop it up on a, on a WordPress <coughs> site or a kid blog site or however they want to do it. But it's, uh, it's not a free thing. Nick, do you remember how much Boss Jock is? It's like... Five or six bucks, right? It's, yeah, I want to say it's like four ninety nine or something. Like that. Yeah, it's it's really well worth it, and it's it's universal. It's iPhone and iPad, and it couldn't be easier. And one of the neat things I like about it is to transfer the the information. It actually is it turns the app into a server, so you connect it to your Wi Fi connection, and instead of putting a cord on your iPhone or iPad, you transfer it over the air. So. Um, you know, a teacher can easily tap into 30 iPads all at once and transfer the uh, the content over. It um, it's been wonderful, and and I think for the for some of these shows, I'm going to start to use it. Um, 
in the past, I was recording into GarageBand and then going back into post and then adding everything. And I got to tell you, with this, it's all done on the fly, all at the same time. I I absolutely love Boss Jock app, and we're trying to get the yeah. uh, the, the creators of Boss Jock on to uh, the TeacherCast podcast. So look for oh, that great. soon over there at uh, podcast.teacherCast.net. Nick, you nice. also use Boss Jock, right? Uh, yeah, I've used it a few times. Um, not not too much because I don't have an uh, I don't have an iPad or mm-hmm. it's I, the iPad that my family has isn't mine, so I don't always uh, I don't always use it personally. But I have used it, yes, and I and I love it. They don't have a yeah. version for Nintendo. <laughs> no, the NAS version is currently in development. It's it's, it's taken a little bit longer than I'd hoped. You have to give the blow, have to blow into it first. Their R&D is awfully slow. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know what's going on with the guy. <laughs> I hear they're going open source. It's probably the best move. <laughs> uh, did we hit everybody for their apps? Uh, yeah, we did. I think we have a good outro here lined up with uh, Sam. What do you think? <laughs> Sam, he's, I think he's I think he's ready on his video. Uh, Sam, let's uh, let's see where we are here. Um, let me transfer this over here. And, you got that up? Oh, uh, sadly, yeah. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can zoom in on this. Uh, let's see. Are you using... gonna make it go full screen, Sam? C- can you make? If it... I make it go full screen, does it stay? You still got Wait, it, Jeff? Did you say full scream or full screen? <laughs> you, you get a little of both here. Okay, Jeff, good? if you if you capture your whole desktop monitor through Google Plus, it'll pick up that video. Uh, yes, that yes. Uh, Sam, can you make the video bigger first? I'll, I'll adjust the screen here for the millions of people watching. I know they're watching yes, the Tech Educator podcast and not WrestleMania at the moment. Actually, Sam, we just lost two viewers. Um, That's yeah. sad. They knew, they knew it was coming. They knew that it was, was coming. Okay. Move. And we're full screen on Sam. And, oh, that looks beautiful right there. Oh, yes. Ready? All right. Pump the audio up, my friend. More sound, please. <laughs> Any sound, please. No sound. It's not picking up the sound. No, I don't hear it. Uh, well, it's just people talking. There's there's no llamas screaming in this one. They're actually just cheering it. In the foreground, you've got a white llama whose feet are shackled out, and then in the background, there's another one. Oh, apparently, we get to see the alpaca now. Mm. This is quality programming here, Nick. Right, <laughs> you don't get this at Radar Gaming. I'll tell you. That's no, you don't. Sure. <laughs> I, I just hope that the students I was supposed to be teaching at this time weren't following me on Facebook while I was broadcasting this. That's a safe move. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, since this is also an audio version of the show, uh, we will certainly have the live. Uh, we we will have the audio version of this next week, right, Sam? Exactly. We're actually going to have the radio theater version of Llama Shearing performed entirely by puppets. Excellent. Will there be an interpretive <laughs> puppet dance involved in that? There always is, Jeff. Nice. Guys, I want to say, first of all, thank you all so much for uh, being on the show here. We are the Tech Educator Podcast. You can reach out to us by following us at Tech Ed Show. Uh, Nick, talk to us a little bit more about Radar Gaming and where we can find you online. So I'm um, my website is as you mentioned radargaming.net and uh, like I said a few times I do a weekly gaming and technology podcast and that goes live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern and it lasts for anywhere between half an hour and 45 minutes and I'm also on Twitter at GameCast Live and you can find all of my other uh, contact information over at either radargaming.net or craigdigitaldesigns.com. Thanks and uh, Jeff, talk to us a little bit about what's going on this week for you at Instructional Tech Talk. Absolutely. Uh, this week, this previous week, I actually took a week off from the podcast. Uh, there was no new podcast released this past week because I was in London. Um, but there will be a new one released Wednesday morning, and that will be featuring the two founders of the app Explain Everything. Um, yeah, no kidding. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share that with everyone. They were, they were great people to talk with. Actually, one of them lives in Poland, and the other one lives uh, in New York. So. We had to jockey a couple of different time zones to make that work, but it worked out well, and I'm excited to share that with everyone. So that's what's coming up on an Instructional Tech Talk. You can find that uh, if you're subscribed to it in iTunes, or you can find it at instructionaltechtalk.com. 
Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at INST Tech Talk. And Sam, what's going on this week with uh, Patui? This week, Patui, we have a secret topic for Tuesday's chat, which you can only find out about by paying attention to Twitter and figuring it out whenever I figure it out. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Patui, that's S A M P A T U E. Check out my blog at mypaperlessclassroom.org. And we Jeff, have, where can we find you? Well, we uh, have a great week coming up. Actually, we have a great two weeks coming up here over at TeacherCast. Um, we're going to be bringing out the live broadcasting booth again this Saturday, uh, April the... i got to make sure I have my dates right. Is it April the 7th? Is the student... Uh, that, wait, that's today's date. Yeah. 15th? 13th. Thank right? you. Uh, next Saturday, April the 13th, we are going to be attending, participating, and broadcasting all day live at the Student Voice Live Summit that's going to be happening in Manhattan. And I want to share you the website that's going on. If you go to stewvoice.org, we've had plenty of these student voice organizers um, on the teacher cast side for uh, a while now. And they're doing some amazing things. But uh, this Saturday, April 13th, it's the first ever Student Voice Summit sponsored by Dell. And uh, TeacherCast is going to be there in full force. Um, it's going to be great. We're going to be broadcasting with a good friend of mine, uh, Jay Eitner, who uh, you can catch on Tuesday nights with me doing uh, NJED chat. And uh, we've got all the interviews there. So check us out at TeacherCast.tv all day. We're going to be showing uh, some great interviews and interviewing the kids and other great celebrities who are there. And then they've actually also invited me to participate in one of the breakout uh, roundtables. And so we're going to be talking to students about how they can create digital voices for themselves and how they can create a brand just like Nick is doing right now. So um, check that out. Uh, Again, stay with TeacherCast and TeacherCast.tv all next week. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that's going on this week for TeacherCast. So can't wait for that. Very cool. If you'd like to participate in the Tech Educator Podcast, again, we broadcast every single Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern. You can certainly reach out to us on Twitter and follow Tech Ed Show. You can email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com and leave a voicemail for us at techeducatorpodcast.com slash voicemail. Maybe you'd like to be a guest on the show or maybe you have a topic that you'd like us to either discuss or talk about. We would certainly love to have you. But most importantly, we would love to have you check out our brand new website, techeducatorpodcast.com, and uh, sign up for our newsletter down... <laughs> sign up for our newsletter and uh, become of the uh, be, be a member of the Tech Educator Podcast community. Guys, I want to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This is the Tech Educator Podcast. See you next week, and uh, enjoy the week that it was, guys. Yep, Gary Payne here. Nice meeting you, Nick. Uh, Glad to talk to you tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great talking to you, man.